All right, state your name and power. I am the Waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head, or I burn them like so. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hey, it's me, Matt, Matt Garingo. Matt, what's the show we're, we're doing, this miniseries? We're doing a miniseries called Failed Blockbusters. I think that's what we agreed upon last time. I don't, I don't know if we agreed, <laughs> but I didn't disagree, so let's just go with it. Yeah. Uh, like many of these failed blockbusters, it kind of feels like they made some stuff up as they went along. Yeah, fuck it. Just do it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, today is a very special episode because I've heard a lot about this movie from everyone who's seen it. And I, I will say, I, I brought it, I can't remember if I brought it up on this show or if I was texting you about it or something, but I was shocked to find out you hadn't seen it. Yeah. It's Mystery um, Men. Mystery Men. Directed and... by auteur Kinka Usher. Yes. Who has who started as a commercial director. He's you... a, he actually did the, uh, the little Taco Bell Chihuahua campaigns and, yeah. and Got Milk, and he did stuff. Well, didn't uh, Michael Bay did the Got Milk stuff, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, why funny I'm that you that mentioned Yeah, we'll Michael get Bay. into that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a lot to say about directors who started with commercials and music videos and getting careers. I think that'll be a big part of this conversation yeah and you know that was like a pipeline for a while yeah, like it now was all... it's the sundance indie pipeline that gets you the blockbusters back then yeah. it was all commercial gigs and that's how you got tony scott ridley scott mm-hmm. michael bay well, the 90s is the last decade where the music industry had any money because mm-hmm. it's like you go from commercials to music videos to then you get a feature film <laughs> yeah yeah oh and david fincher yeah 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 <laughs> and uh although not music videos if you want to go way back um Michael Cimino, director of the Deer Hunter, started in commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, commercials. That that's like a, you know, I I think that's like a a great job. It's good that there used to be a pipeline <laughs> that could be like, here's where you start and here's where you can go. Yeah, and now they get like celebrity directors for commercials. Like Nicholas yeah. Winding Refn does that infamous Matthew McConaughey commercial. Oh yeah, yeah, the one everyone's like that was weird. And then yeah. all the Ruffin heads were like, yeah, yeah, that that's definitely something he directed. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he did that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, it's, it's cute, you know, for him. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame, yeah, it's that thing of, like, you get, even, like, on television, like, these days, you, I feel like they're getting, like, celebrity directors to do episodes of TV shows. Yeah, I and, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I think that kind of started when they did, like, like, Tarantino did his CSI episode or whatever. yeah. That's like I don't a know. fun idea, but... Yeah. I don't know if it was that, but I remember, like, Game of Thrones definitely had an influence on that, like, where they were kind of hyping their directors. And, like, uh, who's that guy? The guy the guy who did The Descent, did all the, like, battle episodes. Oh, yeah, Neil Marshall. And then he yeah. left to do uh, Hellboy. Yeah, a movie no one likes or remembers. <laughs> yeah, it, I like that director. I wish he he could do more. Yeah, um, he, he has he a says, movie coming out this year. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll, I'll be interested in seeing that. He had something where he gave interviews where he's like he was trying to get a Lovecraftian Western made. And I was just like, fuck it, take my money, man. Like, what, <laughs> I don't even, I don't want to know what the fuck that looks like. Yeah, I mean, um, it's too bad that he kind of got cast aside after that. That's a whole yeah. messy situation. But like, well, that's that, that's that thing of like now the pipeline is like you make an indie film, 
like however like either horror indie films which are big now or just indie anything and then it's like okay do a superhero film and then we will lie and say we'll fund your passion project that seems to be like a 50 50 thing Mm -hmm. how many of these guys actually get it but then like you kind of get stuck in that superhero pipeline or just any big franchise thing and then like these guys get in there and sometimes they just they get hitched to the exact wrong franchise at the wrong time and then their careers are just they they don't really recover from it, you know. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. I don't know if this is a better system that we're looking back to, where a, a commercial director, music video director, was just handed a sixty-eight million dollar superhero film. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's a big endeavor. Um, I I don't know that much about this, so I'm going into it. I just have like quick little notes from like the Wikipedia and click some yeah. of those links to read some articles. But, like, I know Ben Stiller was offered to rewrite the script and direct it, yeah. but decided not to do it because he's like, it's it's too much. It was it was going to be a huge movie I'd be taking on. And that's, like, smart. <laughs> you know, there, like is a, a, yeah, there is one credited writer, and I don't know if there's, like, it feels like there's a lot of ghostwriters on this movie. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Like, yeah. like, you can kind of feel, like, different tones. But I also found out that there was a lot of improv done on set that the director kind of just let people do things which kind of makes sense and i think it works as much as it doesn't so before we get into the rest of it matt Mm. what do you think about mystery men before i reveal my um here's the thing (laughs) i i I wish i could give like a simple answer i saw mystery men when i was a child like it was like i think a blockbuster rental where i was like oh superheroes like and i rented it and I have seen it more than I have seen any French New Wave film. <laughs> <laughs> and I have rewatched it multiple times. I think that means I like it. <laughs> like, I think that means, like, if you, I watch a movie that much, I have to like it, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's a good movie. <laughs> I guess is the crossroads I'm at. Okay, okay. Um, but I... I am fascinated with it, and to like connect it to our previous episode on Wild Wild West, another movie I have seen a ridiculous amount of times, that's a movie where I am kind of like, I can safely say that's a bad movie, and that I am more fascinated with its failure of construction, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or Whereas reconstruction, here, ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a terrible joke, Diego. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but, uh... This was one where, like, I watch it, I don't know why I like it, but I also don't know why I have reservations about liking it. You know what I'm saying? I do. It's like, we've, there's been a big conversation on Twitter lately about movies that you just vibe with, right? <laughs> yes, yes. This is a movie that simultaneously gives me good vibes and bad vibes, mm-hmm. and I don't really know why. Um, and yeah, I think it, it lives in my heart, but it's also one of those things where like, when I watch a movie, I kind of like going like, here are the pieces that I really like, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not, that's not necessarily a great way to watch movies, but like, I can watch a really bad movie and be like, but here's this piece in it. I really like, but mystery men is not one of those movies where I really do that. (laughs) Like, I can single out stuff I like, but I also, there's, every one of them has, like, an asterisk on it. Mm-hmm. So, 
I guess we'll get more into that. But what did you think of Mystery Man? Well, you didn't like um, Hank Azaria as the Blue Raja? Um, <laughs> you know what? Hank Azaria's an interesting career. <laughs> he, he, I got questions. I will say, I think he's a great actor with a career of questionable choices, to say yeah. the least. But he's great as maybe the single most problematic character in, uh... <laughs> in in recent memory, well, maybe he, maybe he, not. I don't know, but up there, he's up there. The only character that rivals it is the other problematic character that Hank Azaria is famous for playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but for Mystery Men, I I liked it. I I mm. had a really great time with it. Mm -hmm. But those asterisks. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It's like all these little speed bumps in the way. I'm trying to, like, enjoy it continuously, and it just doesn't let me. But it's like a perfect cult classic idea of a superhero mm. film, you know? Yeah, it's like... it's To me, I think its greatest value is it's like the window into the last era where we didn't know what to do with superhero comics, you know? And, and I will say that sometimes it's, like, really surprising... Uh, how much it knows like what to do with superhero comics and then other times I'm like what movie am I watching this doesn't yeah. <laughs> this is weird it's um, it's that weird like you know like when you look at like the fossil record <laughs> and mm -hmm. like you go to the Cambrian explosion and like you see all the weird directions life could have gone in but it like it died out because it just didn't work like evolution had all these weird different directions <laughs> it's like one of those branches <laughs> kind of yeah like it's like this is extinction at the end of this but it's you can see like oh you know like those pieces are kind of fascinating mm -hmm. and it's like oh but what if something like that what would life have looked like if that had found its niche you know terry gilliam would never have fallen off in his career i i yeah. think I, I think this movie even this though it has be... no attachment to terry gilliam is very Terry Gilliam like inspired? This know? is that movie. This movie's from the alternate universe where Terry Gilliam got to make the Watchmen movie. Oh, totally, like, totally. And there's remember there's that like there's that weird thing where like Terry Gilliam sucks now and like he's well, like just as a person too, not to get a yeah, whole thing, but yeah, it's like embarrassing because like his movies can be really good. Mm -hmm. And but like there was a if you look at the films he was supposed to do in the nineties. You like wish that like he had gotten all those movies done and then just dropped dead, like, <laughs> like that, like and then just stopped, because like all of them feel like, like Brazil, like the like Brazil left like a huge impact on film, you know? Yeah, you still see that like movie is still has this massive ripple effect, and it's like every movie he did kind of had some sort of impact, even if it came like way later. I'm still waiting for the adventures of Baron Munchausen to influence film significantly, but I feel like that movie will have its day. Maybe mm -hmm. after Terrium unfortunately passes, but that movie will have its moment. But yeah, this definitely, it feels like that weird people are trying to be Terry Gilliam. People are trying to be Tim Burton, you know, I'll say a little Joel Schumacher, Batman too. Yeah. Like, definitely it's totally Schumacher. a mix of all those three things. Mm -hmm. Like, aesthetically, especially. Definitely. And I feel like it's that thing of, like, we forget that for the longest time, when people went, like, what is a superhero film? <laughs> like, their main point of reference was the Adam West Batman show. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, 
that is like the key thing and that you can see that influence in every superhero film made until like Batman begins, frankly. <laughs> like yeah. and like even then like you can see someone's being like a real strong reaction to it. Or you can see like, well we still gotta we're not gonna do the camp like pow punches shit, but we still kinda have to treat this as silly, which I'm not saying is wrong, but you can tell that like that was the influence and then Batman Begins happens and everyone wants to do Batman Begins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think the saving grace of this film, Mystery Men, mm-hmm. it feels very sincere. There are moments where it doesn't, but like overall, it, it does leave me like on a high note of like, oh, that was like kind of sweet. It, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a little almost self-conscious in, in moments, but like, I don't know. It felt very sincere overall. Yeah. I feel like that's its problem, though, is that, like, it can't decide if it's going to, like, be sincere or be kind of, like, you know, winking and kind of, like, self-aware, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it, honestly, I think the other asteroid that destroys a movie like Mystery Men from ever happening again is, like, Joss Whedon, you know? Oh, yeah. Where, like, everything from then, like, has to be like, isn't this silly? I use a shovel to hit someone. Which is, like, not what would make this movie good. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's, well, it, it what makes like... this movie great is him, is William H. Macy, 100% sincere looking at his wife <laughs> and saying, I, sh- I shovel well. I shovel very well. <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> um, He's my favorite part of this movie. Oh, he is so fucking good in this <laughs> yeah. movie. It is crazy how good he is as just, like, He's kind of doing an Adam West thing, not like in the voice, but like in the, I'm the fucking shoveler. (laughs) I am here (laughs) to stop crime with a shovel. Yeah. And it's this funny thing of like, you can tell because this, like this era of comics, it's like kind of like everyone was kind of doing parodies of how ridiculous superheroes are just like by definition. Mm -hmm. And it's like irony, you know, nineties irony and stuff like that. This is a guy who was probably just really good at shoveling. (laughs) And then he was convinced that no, that that's my superpower. <laughs> I like I, I shovel well, I shovel very well. But he's he plays it so straight, and he's like kind of an innocent, but also like super like he's the heart of the team. <laughs> yeah, it's he gets so the Captain good. America speech. Yeah, and he gives a speech about cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, what a weird it's. Yeah, like it's I a don't weird know film, and I think yeah. that's ultimately why I can recommend it. It's very weird, and it's mm-hmm. mostly sincere. If I it think... doesn't work for someone, I get it, but I, I think actually a lot of superhero nerds, like mm-hmm. the ones that want something different from them right now, especially, could find like real joy in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of those movies where like we might not be like head over heels in love with this, but this will be someone's favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like someone out there, this movie is made for. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say, when it started, I thought this was going to be like a holy shit home run. Because it's like <laughs> swooping down from the clouds, this production yeah. design. I was completely caught off guard. I thought, like, I, I joked before recording, like, oh, we're here to re- record Mystery Team. And I thought it was going to be, like, on that level budget. I hadn't seen images from this movie. Oh, yeah. So I was completely caught off guard of, like, oh, yes. what this they... was. <laughs> Dumped so much fucking money into this to a first-time director. This is just something that would never happen today. Mm-hmm. Like you would, no one would let this movie get made. No. I will say this is based very, very loosely on Flaming Carrot comics. 
which like mystery main characters like appeared. And I, I, I am not super familiar with Flaming Carrot comics. It's like a super popular like cult classic thing. Mm-hmm. And the problem is a lot of those comics from that era, it's they're a little harder to get a hold of. Oh, I see. Um, if you're like me and like you, the way you get comics is by going to comic shops. Like I don't, I'm I'm very bad at like like I could probably find them if I went online, but I like going to comic shops and just buying what they have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like looking on Amazon or eBay. <laughs> oh, I get you. Um, I didn't even know it was like an adaptation of anything. Yeah, but <laughs> that's it's like how little like, I knew. From, from what I understand, it's like they took the names of some of those characters. And, like, the tone is completely different. I think we need to talk about the opening. <laughs> uh, it reminded me of Batman and Robin. <laughs> a little bit. And I gotta say, we, we had this conversation when we talked about Wild Wild West about the importance of your opening scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, this is a movie that both, I think, like you said, like, where, like, you're like, oh, shit, this is gonna be a home run movie. Like, it gives you that vibe, and then... S- at the same time, like completely kneecaps itself. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, my quick review, if I had to post on Letterbox in the middle of recording this, would be like hmm. mostly super entertaining and also about half an hour too long. Yeah, that's, and I think yeah, that's if you the trimmed other thing. it all up a little bit, it would be way tighter and way more efficient. There's a lot of dead air and hmm. in between, really, really great stuff. I guess I'll say right now, I listened to the commentary for this, which this the DVD. If you can get a hold of it, inexplicably has the director's commentary on there. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I really don't know why. I don't know if they thought this guy was going to be like the next big thing. Um, no offense to him. He's not great at the commentary thing, but a lot of directors aren't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it feels very similar to the Zack Snyder commentaries where he just keeps saying things are cool. <laughs> um, he says a lot of stuff like, oh, this, I, I loved working with this person. I love it. And I'm not just saying like, Oh, I loved working with William H. Macy. It's like a kid who appears on screen for two seconds. He's like, Oh, I loved working with that kid. I I had done commercials with that kid. And it's like that kid was on I didn't even notice that kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the commentaries, a lot of that. But a repeated thing he kept saying was that a lot of the scenes in this movie were shot longer and he was forced to trim it down. And that's like, actually kind of surprising because they already go too long yeah and he's like this was a lot better when it was longer so this guy shot like a three-hour version of this <laughs> and was like like really wished but like at some point the studio was like it has to be two hours for mm-hmm. christ's sake <sighs> that's, that's the other way it does not feel like a movie where there was studio interference you know yeah like, it it definitely doesn't feel like it had a vibe and then the studio was like Oh no, this is not what we paid for, and then like tr- radically try try to change it last minute, and which is just adds more questions. <laughs> to yeah, because okay, thing. It, this came out August sixth, nineteen ninety nine. Batman mm-hmm. Returns and Batman and Robin, or Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. were both out prior to this, and so the Batman phase had already kind of like faded out. Yeah, so. I don't know. I, that's curious. I, I guess they really believed in it. I want to look at the producers really quick. Lawrence Gordon, mm. who produced Predator, Die Hard, Point Break, Boogie Nights. <laughs> um, quite One the of the fellow. guys is the guy from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Uh, who... Mike Richardson? Yeah, who like apparently just went to some studio and was like, 
these characters could be made into a movie. And then they were like, here's $68 million. <laughs> <laughs> um, before, before we get back to talking about the movie, too, I also want to bring up, um, it was announced in mid-1997 with a bundle of, of superhero movies coming out. Um, Blade? Mm-hmm. Virus? Oh, yeah. Superman Lives, which was also brought up last time. Yeah. Um, X-Men, <laughs> Fantastic Four, The Hulk, Captain America, The Submariner, Iron mm. Man, Daredevil, and Silver Surfer, Hellboy, Concrete, Green Hornet, along with 26 other titles that I'm not going to name here. Yeah. Um. So... Maybe it's there's... so weird that the narrative is Batman and Robin like killed the superhero movie for a few years mm-hmm. when it's like a year. Like Blade is ninety eight. Like yeah, <laughs> and then and then X Men's like ninety nine, and X Men's kind of the one that like that's when like studios all kind of went in on it. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's weird that that's the narrative. Um, yeah, like yeah, they never it, really went away. <laughs> yeah, and it, I think there's also that thing of, like, like Captain Care Comics is like from that era that happens right at the end of the '80s, beginning of the '90s, where like creator-owned comics started becoming a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then like Image Comics happens, and then it's like the revolution is like we're going to take down the industry, and then the big two kind of came out at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but like you know, we you go through that era where. Uh, you know, we got, uh, like, the huge comic book investor boom. You know, all the people, all the speculators buying up number one issues where X-Men number one becomes, like, the highest selling comic of all time. Uh, and then it, like, crashes hard and Marvel goes into bankruptcy. <laughs> like, but there's that weird moment where, like, comic books suddenly go mainstream. And they aren't, like, a weird thing. And it's, like, a cool thing. And, like, Spike Lee does that commercial with... Uh, Oh God! What's the guy's name? Uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. He blocked like, me on but... Twitter. <laughs> he blocks everyone on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he sucks. No offense. I mean, no, Rob yeah, Liefeld yeah, no, sucks. no. Full offense. Fuck him. Yeah, uh, he's an asshole. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Uh, and you know, it was that weird era where like the art didn't really make any sense, but it kind of looked cool. Mm-hmm. It, it looks cool when you're like nine years old. <laughs> yeah, and then. Well, I mean, you know, the, whoever was buying it, where it was that thing of like Marvel would be like, just put Wolverine on the cover because it'll it'll double the sales. <laughs> like, it's like Wolverine's not in it. It's like we'll put him in for two seconds. <laughs> like any any comic that Wolverine on the cover, like it's sold like gangbusters. They were doing like all the holographic covers and shit like that, and that just crashes like so hard. <laughs> um, but you know, we got like a weird. There's a weird group of just the creatives, just like creator own stuff that now is kind of like in limbo. Like it's not as talked about for whatever reason. Uh, maybe it's just aged very poorly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, like, like dark horse and image kind of come out of it, but like image and there is not never kind of lived up to what they said it was going to be. Yeah. Like they're still there and I, like they're still doing stuff with like saga, which is a huge hit, right? That's like yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're golden goose at this point. Um, but like Walking Dead and Invincible have ended. Even their shows aren't going to last forever. Walking Dead is finally ending as a TV series. Invincible is not going to last more than like a couple seasons, probably, just because yeah. 
it's an animated show and those don't tend to last for like 10 seasons. Although you know? it's already like, it's one of those things where like, it seems people have latched onto it. No, no, it, it's a reason. big hit. I, I want to make yeah. clear. It's a big hit, but just because it's like an animated show, like mm. for some reason, those aren't long for this world. <laughs> yeah, they aren't. But I also, it's, I think it'll last a little longer than the average one. If it can keep the momentum that it has right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's just been embraced in a weird way that I wasn't expecting. Where, like, people that don't watch superhero cartoons are, like, messaging me about it. Yeah, that is and that is kind of interesting. I don't know what did it. I think it was maybe, like, everyone's like, oh, it's from the guy who did Walking Dead. Let's watch it. Like, uh, I No spoilers, also, but if you know the comics, I, I know. Yeah, the violence, but I think the ending to the first episode is what makes people go, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how successful it is when you actually watch it, because I, ha- I haven't seen any of it, but... What what happens in those early episodes? Um, it does kind of reveal that the show is not just like a another superhero cartoon. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting that we're finally getting that weird pushback. We're like we're gonna do like the horrific superhero stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, which uh, I think I think the boys is enough for me at this point. <laughs> uh, same because that that second season actually got good. So yeah, like, I'm like happy now with it, but it's also like miserable. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? like I don't want that with like everything for sure. You know, yeah, and that that is also kind of a problem of the '90s era comics where it's like, oh, we all got to do Watchmen and Dark Knight, and then like they just kind of took the miserable elements. Yeah, and they and don't have... understand like, I mean, because yeah. those comics are all. I mean, maybe Watchmen less so, but like Dark Knight Returns is like a fun read. Yeah, and I think people forget that. Uh, Mystery Men is like a fun watch and it has none of like the dark. Well, you know what? There's a little darkness there, but it's like comical. Yeah. Like it's a very funny film. You know, it's the, the one thing that's not in this that I feel like the comic might have just cause I know comics of this era. I can't say for certain. Um, but, uh, a lot of those like weird nineties comics get like really sexually perverted, you know? Mm hmm. Like, that was a weird thing that happened in the 90s. Where it was like, oh, anyone that dresses up as a superhero is clearly a pervert. <laughs> like, that, that's, I think that's just the 90s attitude. That's, like, in, that's, that's here, like, a tiny bit with one character. And yeah, it's not, like, yeah. that bad considering it's like, the 90s. That character but... would be that character even if this wasn't a superhero film. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, getting back to the opening scene. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just say like I was saying where it like it gets you excited and then like handicaps itself. It the like you get the opening shot of the city and it's kind of that like you know I I think of the opening to Mask of the Phantasm where you see Gotham in like kind of like three D animated glory, you know, mm-hmm. which is like this is gonna rule, right? <laughs> like, which say what you will about the movie, but that opening is really good. And you get like you like the establishing shots of the city. I feel like do its job, you know, mm-hmm. of like, all right, here's the world we're in. And then we go into the building, <laughs> and it's suddenly like the universe explodes, where it's. You know, I I don't know how to articulate this very well, but it's like suddenly, like you were like, all right, I'm with this, I'm with this, I'm not with this. <laughs> Where it's like, is this post-apocalyptic? Is this an alternate universe? Like, what is this, you know? You know like, what? what are we looking at on screen right now? I kind of liked not no. 
being able to I, place the time and stuff like that. I will I agree with you that I I don't really like the look of it in scenes like that. Sometimes the film does have a great look to it. Um, I'm just saying that like this is the part of the movie where you kind of have to win the audience over. Mm-hmm. And there are movies that like I love that do like this movie feels like it's doing zero hand holding. It just expects you to be into it, which I can admire in a film. But like, I don't know. It feels like there maybe was a better way to do it. Like, yeah, uh, it's just because it's an old folks' home. But then, like, you don't like I. You know what the fuck are you like the the shots? The stuff we're cutting to just makes you go, "What the fuck am I looking at?" No, I, I didn't realize it was an old folks' home until later in the film when they reference, "Oh yeah, yeah that w- that oh, you remember me from the old folks' home or whatever." And I was yeah. like, "What?" I, like I, to me, it's like the audience doesn't get it until because I think they he mentions like there's nothing heroic about rescuing like going to an old folks' home, which is like the joke of the scene, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, it's funny. They're not robbing a bank. They're attacking an old folks' home. <laughs> but it's like there's there's a dude with like a weird helmet. Did you see that? There's like an old guy with like a helmet and like electricity shooting into his head. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's like we have not established that this is an old folks home. (laughs) So I am not making the connection. Oh, like this is a weird, like kind of like retro punk thing of like, that's like how they, they treat the old people in this world. Right. Yeah. Like maybe that's stimulating his brain in some way. And I feel like a lot of this could be solved. If one of the shots had just been like retirement home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like a sign. Like, if you would add to that sign and then go into that weird dance the old ladies are doing, like, which feels like a Shriners thing or something. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, something, you know? Or just, like, say that it wasn't an old folks' home. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I'm, it's like I'm, a, a, I'm a local ball for the senior citizens or some shit. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, the senior ball. Like, veterans of World War II or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, hell, you could fuck with us and be, like, veterans of World War Three. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, what the fuck does that mean? But, like, you get, okay, veterans, they're old. Like, something. Because, yeah, (laughs) you don't put together that it's an old folks home at all. Which is, like, the joke of the scene. (laughs) Is that the guys are attacking an old folks home. And you're getting jokes, you're getting, like, bedpan jokes. And, like... Yeah, yeah, that was weird. You're, like... They're taking people's dentures and like there's a prosthetic arm and it's just, it's more like, is this Starship Troopers? <laughs> like <laughs> did all these people like lose limbs or something in a war we didn't see? Like it, it raises tons of questions. And then we like, it's not nothing like calms it down at all. And then we're just, we're not introduced to anyone except Tom Waits <laughs> who it's like, is Tom Waits is not going to make that situation better. <laughs> and he seems to be hitting on old women. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just something that happens for him. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, whatever, dude. But I don't, it doesn't make the scene go down any easier. Yeah. It, like, I feel like maybe he should have been our in, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is, like, weird to say about Tom Waits. <laughs> Where it's like the other Tom Waits appearances I'm thinking of, he's always like, oh, fucking character of just chaotic energy yeah. i'm thinking of in you've seen domino when he just shows up yeah like, with his own song playing yeah. 
Like, that's the energy Tom Waits brings to a movie. But instead, I feel like he should have been like, oh, lovely night at the old folks' home, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he should have had a, a thing. And so it's like, okay, he's here, and he's going to hit on old ladies. Like, fine. <laughs> and then the red eyes attack. And here's the... <laughs> Sorry, I should slow down. <laughs> no, but fuck it. Go ahead. Here's the thing. The red eyes look fucking weird. <laughs> They don't look any weirder than any of the old folks. <laughs> yeah, so, like, like the electricity we, chair. Yeah, so like we don't really know that like the situation has escalated. Mm-hmm. For all we know, this is part of the show. You know, I think that's why I, I didn't mind this too much apart from like the general look. Because it does look a little flat, which is apparently intentional because, and I quote, that's how they wanted it to look like a comic book, which is yeah, not... Yeah, he said he, li- he wanted a lot of wide-angle lenses and stuff. Yeah, which like, which is fine. The, the wide angle stuff, I'm fine with. I, I just I'm not sure how more fine I am with the wide angle stuff. <laughs> we'll have to go back to that. But that I just was all to say, over the '90s. That was just yes, like a thing. Yeah. So, um, but what what did bother me was that like, or what, what didn't bother me was that it was like all this weird shit just happening at the screen. Mm-hmm. What it became a problem was when the action starts. We're getting introduced to the the original three mystery men, that trio. Yeah. Um and and then I'm like, okay, there's no real escalation here. And yeah, everyone so paced. far has had the same vibe. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. Tom Waits is the most normal person in this scene. <laughs> and that has never been said about any movie ever made. No, but that does make this one a little more special. I guess. But it's like, that's not, that's not how you use your Tom Waits. No. <laughs> But I do stand by that. It makes it a little more special. It makes it a little more fun to recommend for people. Yeah. It's it's just the thing of, like, I, I guess that's what the problem really is, is that, like, this is the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It, it This is the vibe it has for the whole movie, and there's no ups and downs to it. Which is, like, what movies are kind of supposed to have. Yeah, and for a movie that's this openly weird about itself, which I think we both appreciate, that's safe to say, yeah. right? Um, yeah. It makes it feel monotonous at times yeah. when it absolutely shouldn't because it's <laughs> really weird. Yeah. It's this it's such an odd it's it's hard. You gotta see it, people. If you're somehow <laughs> listening to this and I haven't seen it, it's I because I, what other movie is there like this? Uh, like I don't know. Airheads. I don't know. <laughs> no. I still haven't seen Airheads. No, but uh, honestly, the 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 stuff we mentioned, Terry Gilliam films, yeah, the but Burton like Batman, even then, it's um, like Schumacher Batman. But it's yeah. like again, like the elements of those that you would never put together, put together in a movie, mm-hmm. and it's just fascinating. Um, but yeah, then we get the. Uh, I gotta mention, I gotta give a special shout out to fucking Artie Lang. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the head of the Red Eyes, and he's up. Apparently, they let him improvise his dialogue. <laughs> he has like two lines. I know, <laughs> but the commentary says that yeah, I let him improvise, and I'm just like, what does that mean? <laughs> and also, there's a shot that where he kicks a uh, like. Oh God! What is what is the thing like the speaker that like guitarists use? I don't know the name of it. The microphone. The amp. Oh, is that it? Yes. Is that the word? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm so out of touch with music. He kicks the amp, and then in like a fourth wall thing, like the glass on the camera shatters. 
because he kicks the amp into the uh, camera. Um, that's real. He broke a camera. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he did improvise then. That's, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> and the director laughingly says, yeah, we broke like two cameras filming this. Oh, my God. They did it again. Yeah, and I was just like, holy shit, dude. Like, that's not good. And this was his only film that he directed. Huh, weird. (laughs) It's just weird that no one stepped in earlier, I guess, is the shocking (laughs) thing about it. Um, But, yeah, holy shit. And then we get the introduction of uh, the Shoveler, Blue Raja, and Mr. Furious. Um. And they make jokes. Is already Lang's eating cake? Because <laughs> get it, he's fat. Yeah. Um. What? It, I, it, 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 like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Just like so much of this. Like you should use a fork because the Blue Raja throws forks. And cutlery. And, he throws cutlery. Yeah. But never and knives. Never knives. And I gotta say, like we're talking about, like the Blue Raja. Yeah, that's a problematic character. <laughs> It's hysterical that, like, anytime he shows up anywhere, it takes him, like, five minutes to explain what his deal is. <laughs> no, that is funny. Yeah, and he's like, well, like that's well, a great because, running Because gag. it's, you know, the British Empire controlled India until the 1900s. And it's like... Yeah, and it's like, hey, you're the Blue Raja. You're not, the, you're not blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like every, every... And you throw forks? And you're doing a British accent? Like, <laughs> which isn't his real voice, by the way. Yeah. And it's, it's just hysterical that, like, anytime he shows up, he's got to, like, like, no, no, you don't understand. All of this makes sense in context. <laughs> like, no one is going to care. <laughs> um, where then the shoveler is, like, the exact opposite, where it's, like, he's called the shoveler, he has a shovel, and he hits people with it. Yeah. Um, all right. And now I'm, here's where we're getting to maybe a controversial opinion. Um, I'm, I, I have mixed feelings about Ben Stiller as Mr. Furious. I do too. I'm Cause glad he's doing like that. the Ben Stiller thing, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like, that's just the thing he did in like every movie from that time. And it's like, I don't know how well it fits. And I was going to say that there's a weird thing where it feels like everyone has like a different comedy tone going on. And it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. And I was like, well, Ben Stiller is clearly doing like the 90s, I'm kind of ironic tone, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, maybe that tone just doesn't work. But not to jump ahead too quick, but Janine Garofalo shows up later. And she's kind of doing the exact same thing. And she works a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I I think she's great in this. Yeah, she might be. I think she's my favorite part of this. I love her as the the bowler. (laughs) But we'll get to her. Um. I like the idea that he's just kind of angry <laughs> and he thinks that gives him superpowers, but it doesn't <laughs> like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, you lifted a bus once <laughs> and then, like, it comes out like, well, you know, I kind of just pushed it. Like <laughs> <laughs> After it was already started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like really, that's funny, but it's kind of like the only thing he has. Yeah. You know, um, do you know that he was originally offered the Blue Raja role? Really? Yeah. And um, he was not interested in playing what he called, and I quote, a nerdy guy again. I mean, 
uh, I think they made the right choice. Hank Azaria is great. I, I kind of do too. But um, uh, it's it's. I don't know. I I think he he took himself a little too seriously at times, and other times he 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 still lands like some laughs for me. Oh no, he definitely works sometimes. Like I'm not like writing him off completely, mm-hmm. but there are moments where like again, like the director says multiple times in the commentary that he let people improvise, and there are moments that just feel like they let Ben Stiller just riff. Mm-hmm. And it like goes on a little too long, and it's like almost riffing that like kind of breaks the movie. Yeah, where it's like it doesn't feel like this guy actually exists in this universe. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like there's definitely like a sort of the the tide has turned on riffing with comedy, and a yeah. lot of ways people really miss like the directed comedy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I gotta say, like I I started watching Shit's Creek. I don't know. I'm sure you've heard everyone talk. Yeah, about yeah, Shit's I've Creek. seen Shit's Creek. It's funny. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's cute. Um, it's got a lot of heart. And I'm sure most of that is just riffs. And that's fine because it's yeah. like 22 minutes an episode. But those people are like the masters of riffing. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's, it's fucking fantastic. Um, but it's what I'm saying is like there's a time and a place for it. And it's clearly trimmed down to the best of, of their abilities yeah. to showcase the best they have to offer. This movie is two hours. Yeah. So you're going to – there's dead space too much is the well, problem. How long here. is like – like, I, I'm thinking of, like, Best in Show, which is, like, you know, Christopher Guest movies are, like, all riffed. How long uh, is Best? I think Best in like Show is a minutes. solid 90 minutes. I yeah. just looked it up. And it's, like, yeah, <laughs> that's mm. what, if you're going to riff. And that's a movie where it's, like, they clearly only kept the gold in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you can even feel, like, where they maybe, like, had a joke but decided to cut it because it didn't work, and it makes the movie better. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the director like was too like you know it's his, it's his first movie, shockingly, <laughs> and it's like maybe they didn't know like oh cut here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff it is just a learning process, you know. Like ideally, you do learn before you make a movie, but any film and any filmmaker will tell you that like you know you're gonna have bad days, you're gonna have good days, and you're gonna try to keep the good days on film, you know. Yes. <laughs> That's just how these things work. There's no, like, mathematical equation to making it work, but I, I, I bet it would have helped if it was shorter. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And there's not a lot of stuff in this movie where, like, I feel like this isn't a movie with, like, a super complicated plot where, you, like, there's, like, all right, well, if you cut that scene, then the movie doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, you could trim a lot of these scenes down and lose basically nothing in terms of coherence. Yeah. I'm going to say I was shocked when with like 20 minutes into the film uh i don't want to hop around too much here because it's pretty pretty simple but once like the plot kicks in it's like oh the the superhero that we'll, we'll talk about in a second um yeah uh, captain amazing right that's his name captain <laughs> yeah, amazing Greg Kinnear is is kidnapped and now the zeros have to be the heroes i was like oh, okay so how are they gonna like explore that when are they gonna rescue him yet and like oh no that's just the plot like that's that's it that's the rest of the movie yep that's the movie (laughs) and like that's fine i'm totally fine with that but it did catch me off guard because movies now are like so much more plot yeah yeah it feels like if this was made today like captain amazing would die like 10 minutes in and then it's like crimes on the street and now we only got these idiots to like stop it Mm -hmm. and then a blue laser would shoot up in the air at the end which does happen which does happen here and i was like oh wow it's but you know what? It works here better than a lot of the other movies, mm-hmm, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, 
yeah, uh, yeah, Captain Amazing comes flying in and saves the day, and because he's Captain Amazing, and uh, he's and the, the joke with Captain Amazing is that he's an arrogant asshole, and also he's got like a bunch of logos on his suit. I, I love that. <laughs> no, I he. Greg Kinnear is so fucking funny in this. Yeah. I, I've never understood why Greg Kinnear was never, like, huge. I don't know either. Well, he's yeah. in movie 43, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> he is an Oscar-nominated person, I believe, right? What? Oh, my God, Greg, he is! Yeah. Like, didn't he get nominated for, like, As Good As It Gets? Yes! Yeah. What the hell? Um, yeah. Well, know, except th- he, he's got this super weird career where, like, he... He got like the show after Conan O'Brien when Conan O'Brien took over for Letterman, mm-hmm. and everyone like was like, "This Greg Kinnear guy is so much funnier than Conan," and there was like real talk of firing Conan and putting Greg Kinnear in his spot, and that was like that year like where they were renewing Conan like every like three weeks, mm. and then Greg Kinnear's movie career took off. And that's what kind of saved Conan. <laughs> oh, and, but yeah, it's like this weird thing where like he was like a talk, he was a talk show guy. He also did Talk Soup, the first version of that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, which is where I kind of remember him from because that used to be like on TV a lot. Um, and then he had the the Late Show, and then he had then his acting career, and then I don't know. It's just like at a certain point, it like didn't go anywhere <laughs> yeah i mean maybe he just stepped away for his own stuff like like i'm a big hayden panettiere fan from heroes and i just oh, rewatched yeah. scream 4 which he's great in oh yeah she's terrific in that and i was i was questioning like why hasn't she had a career and she stepped away because she became a mother and yeah she wanted her privacy and stuff like that and so she's like she's still working but it's not her priority right now yeah and so wasn't maybe something like, like that s- wasn't she like stopping whaling ships for a while? Yeah, yeah. She Hayden Panettiere rules. Yeah, it's like she was doing like crazy shit. Like we're like like I'm not even talking about like like she would go out on like surfboards and like surround boats. Like it was crazy. I remember that shit. Yeah, yeah. Google what she's been up to since Heroes, and it's like the best ever. Unlike everyone else from that cast, she became an actual hero. Oh. <laughs> Hey, showing us that mothers are the real heroes. Hey, Greg Grunberg was in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Greg Grunberg's in every t- uh, JJ thing. Yeah, Greg Grunberg. I like Greg Grunberg. I do. Um, he, Snap Wexley fucking died. No, justice for Snap Wexley. Yeah, the Chad hey. Snap Wexley versus the Virgin Wedge Antilles. Hey, how dare you? <laughs> Wedge Antilles should how retire. Dare you? Yeah, you know, I was fine with him not coming back, but... <laughs> yeah. No, JJ apparently really wanted him, because he's everyone's favorite. I mean, I love Wedge. <laughs> I, I really do. Like, Wedge Wedge is great, but uh, they could have done more with him. Mm-hmm. They could have done put him in an... Why lot. was he on the fucking Millennium Falcon? Well, that was never a thing he did. <laughs> well, no, but people like the Millennium Falcon, and yeah, but the Rise of Skywalker get... is all about making everyone really happy. How hard is it to put him in an X-Wing cockpit? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Ugh, fucking dumb movie. That movie gets uh, so bad. Like I know. It spoils worse every day. <laughs> I know. It's so, it's so, like, again, like, I think it'll age better when we finally move past it, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For now, it is like, it is the whipping boy. It mm-hmm. is. All the sins of Star Wars will be placed on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this film, which has no sins. Yeah. 
<laughs> sure, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I love him. It's kind of amazing. Also, he's got like a manager played by Ricky Jay. Oh, he's a publicist. Because um, he says, I'm I'm not a magician. I'm a publicist or something like that. Yeah, I, I love I, all this shit. This is like where where my cynical bone comes out and I'm get really like excited. Oh, no, the, the setup of like he's going to let a supervillain out because he needs more publicity. Yeah, that's fucking is, great. Is great. I just, I got, I got, I wrote down um, the rundown of what happened to all the other supervillains. <laughs> Cause I, it's one of my favorite moments where his death man is dead. Um, Father Doom got life without <laughs> parole. The first one. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> sorry, um, sorry, go ahead. Apocalypta is doing 50 years. Armageddon, Armageddsmos, or whatever the fuck, Armageddsmo is in exile. Baron von Chaos got the chair, and Greg Kinnear's like, really? Like he didn't know, <laughs> which is really funny. And then Casanova Frankenstein's in the Nut House, um, which is I just I don't know. Like that rundown was great. Although I have to point out that the. Two names next to each other are Apocalypta and Armagesmo, <laughs> which is like mix up the names a little bit. Like, <laughs> those are the same word. Like, <laughs> you know, you could have come up with something that we don't need an explanation for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I was I was fine with it. Like for for a movie that to me felt like a pastiche of like other superhero tropes and like ideas. Yeah, uh, like it, it it works for me. This, this is kind of like. A more family-friendly version of the boys. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It, it's a little bit like that. Um, no, but I, you know, yeah, it's it's that thing of. I'm trying to think. It's it's honestly like there's a little bit, and I want to say like I want to say like a thimble's amount of Paul Verhoeven in here, <laughs> like <laughs> like just the idea of like well once this once it turns into a profitable thing it has to perpetuate itself. Mm-hmm. Like so, once you're once you turn the police force into an industry, crime has to keep happening to make money. <laughs> like, and so once you're a superhero who gets like endorsement deals, you need to keep having people to fight. <laughs> and like that's the joke again, which you don't get till the end of the scene. It's like, oh, it's funny that he is stooped to fighting in an old folks' home mm-hmm. against Artie Lang. <laughs> Like, Artie Lang is not a formidable opponent. <laughs> um, and I guess this is where I got. I should bring up. Um, I listened to the commentary, and like I said, the guy kept saying how great everyone was and how uh, great X scenes were. And, like, you kept saying how good everything was and that he had a real fun time making it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ben Stiller was on the Howard Stern show at some point in the 2000s. And Artie was talking about how they had worked together because Artie used to be the co-host on the Howard Stern show for people who don't know, because why would you? Um, And Artie was talking about like, they remember filming that day and he says he remembers it taking a lot longer than he thought it would. And he remembered Ben Stiller and uh, William H. Macy arguing with the director a lot. Um, That there was like, disagreement on how to do the scene (laughs) interesting and ben stiller didn't like i don't remember him saying like he that that like a hundred percent confirmed that but he did like kind of hint that there was like some sort of 
that like he felt there were issues on the set of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, um, maybe there were, maybe just like, oh, first time director, you never know with those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Movie making's hard, but now that you brought that up, uh, do you have uh, anything else? I'll say Kinka Usher, the director, makes it sound like it was a very collaborative film. Mm-hmm. Like, when you hear his side in the commentary, he's talking about it like, oh, you know, we all work together. I let everyone give their ideas, blah, blah, blah. And the, but then, like, when you hear Artie describe it, it was more like everyone was kind of arguing. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, you know, maybe that's, that's a matter of perception. Yeah, I mean, perspective and everything that does influence what people are going to walk away with. But it is worth noting now that um, following the shoot, uh, Stiller back in 98 said, I thought it would be quick, but it ended up being this six month shoot. Yeah, I think it like so... went over. Yeah. And I'm sorry, not 98, 99. It's an interview with the Star Interviews, which mm-hmm. was a thing at some point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, <laughs> but yeah, so um, if it's going back to then, in 99, when the film came out, then maybe. It wasn't so fun for everyone else, but um, yeah. it's good that it's always good to hear what a director is giving credit to, like the people that they did collaborate with. On yeah, a film, you know, you don't well, want to hear someone's between, an asshole. There's a difference between collaboration and then showing up, not really knowing what you're doing, or even then, like slowing down to let everyone give their ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I only listened to 30 minutes of the commentary because I just couldn't do it at a certain point. Um, <laughs> that was too bad. Yeah, no offense to the guy. I mean, it's his only movie. He made he made a movie, which is a lot more than a lot of people can say. Yeah. Um, but like, he, there was a scene where they're in a diner talking, and Hank Azaria does like a trick with the forks, and then he's like the the commentary. It, like, I didn't understand what he was saying. The director, he's like, "Oh, you see that guy behind them? That guy had a lot of great fork ideas." So I, I put him there so he could, like, give ideas. What? I'm like, what does that mean? Like, was he just an extra? Like, did you were you consulting with an extra? <laughs> like, like I understand. Like, I, I, I agree to it. Like, I love collaboration. I love when you can tell that, like, the director was listening to people and it wasn't super locked down. And But, like, there's a limit, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to to go back to someone who's just dragging J.J. Abrams, like, John Boyega still goes to bat for him super hard, and he's probably because he had a lot of fun collaborating with him on on the two Star Wars they did together. Or, like, Mm -hmm. I think of uh, Star Trek 09, which is, like, the one Abrams film we can all agree on, like, being super entertaining through and through. Um, It's, uh, I think of that scene when Kirk is, like, describing the lightning storm in space, and Chris Pine has this bit in the behind the scenes, he's talking about, like, I'm trying to do this line as good as I can, but I don't know what it means. (laughs) And then Abram's like, it doesn't matter. Just, like, sell it, like, emotionally. Like, Mm -hmm. sell the emotion of the scene, and we can move on. And, like, that sounds, like, reductive, but when you're trying to make your days shooting a film, like, that's... I, I kind of agree with that. You yeah, know? that's like, at some point you kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a Hitchcock story? I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the story, but uh, I mean, I can't remember what film. But there's a scene where a guy has to walk out of one building and look up at another building, and then there was going to be a shot, like you know, point of view shot, and then go back to the actor. And the actor was like, "Well, why am I looking at this building? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is the point?" 
because like you know hitchcock kind of like famously hated actors yeah it was like i construct my films and then hitchcock's answer was because i tell you to (laughs) (laughs) and it's like that's not always a great attitude but like at a certain point you have to go like just fucking say the line (laughs) yeah yeah you know um say it so like the right people hear it (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically yeah um i was thinking this weird story of uh Penn and Teller were on SNL one time <laughs> and they wanted to do a prank where like they did a fake card trick and they pretended that it was live. Right. Like that's part of the gag. Mm-hmm. And then the FCC was like, you can't say that's live. Like that's breaking the law. <laughs> oh. And the FCC's guys like, if you play that clip and it's like the, le- it's like the 11th hour. It's like, if you play that clip, we're, we're taking SNL off the air tonight. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so it's like suddenly on Penn Jillette to like solve this problem. And so they have to get in a message that this is pre-recorded. So he goes to like Steve Gutenberg, who was the host. Oh my God. And he's, he gave him a thing to say at the top of it. And he said, I need you to say this line pre-recorded elements so that the FCC guy hears it and no one in America hears it. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you watch that clip, Steve Gutenberg's like featuring pre-recorded elements and magic from Penn and Teller, like he delivers it in a way where like you wouldn't pick up on it unless you knew what he was talking about. There's a way to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Everyone makes it up as they go along at some point. You go in with a game plan and and you you work with it to the best of your abilities. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess it's about trying not to be... You don't want to be Ed Wood where you only do one take. Yeah, or, and you or don't Clint want to Eastwood, be... but Clint Eastwood's yeah. kind of had a revival lately online. Clint Eastwood is just like, I don't understand when like you listen to how he, he talks about how he makes movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did that guy make Unforgiven? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, he is like, wow. Like I just think we kind of have to give respect to a guy that old still doing movies that he does. Yeah, like, yeah. He's fucking 91, and he's still... I remember when he turned 80 and I was like, man, we're probably last few years of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and it's like, no, he's going to keep making movies for another decade. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think it's just like, yeah, don't be Ed Wood where you do one take and then don't be the guy who does, don't be, I guess, Michael Cimino, maybe who does like a thousand <laughs> takes. And it's, yeah. Cause fuck, don't let the movie take six months to make. Yeah. That, um, that's, that's rough. Especially because no scene in this movie looks like it should take that long. <laughs> no, no. I'll be honest. The production design, it looks like it took a long time. Oh, like, the production design is, on, like, even if you hate everything else about this movie, that might be the reason to see it alone. Yeah. Like, it is, wow. <laughs> I, I would describe watch this it, projected, like, in, like, a New Beverly Theater or something, you know? Yeah. You know what this movie kind of reminds me of? Not, like, production design, I don't know how it led to this, but... Buckaroo Banzai. Have you seen Buckaroo Banzai? I haven't seen Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, no, Buckaroo Banzai is another film, cult classic, that doesn't totally work, but it's a movie that just, it throws you in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not slowing down to explain any of this shit to you. <laughs> well, it stars Peter Weller, so. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing in it. I have so much I want to say about Peter Weller right now, but we have to keep moving on because I, I love that Peter Weller. Things. And another uh, weird, this this one is going to be that moment where Macaringo compares a movie that he absolutely shouldn't compare to Mystery Man. But another movie I get this vibe with is The Coen Brothers' The Serious Man. 
you have to explain that now. <laughs> that is a movie where the, it never slows down to explain what you're doing, what's what world you're in, you know? Like, that's a movie that hits you with, like, Jewish mythology, like, very heavy. And, like, Jewish culture in America. And I think I only was able to get through it the first time because I grew up in a very heavily Jewish neighborhood. And, uh, like, a lot of Jewish people lived around me growing up. And that's a movie that's just, like, you are in it from the get-go, right? Mr. And Furious, you are jesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, they just, like, sigh Abelman? Like, what the fuck is this guy? But... It's like, oh, get all right, sure. Like you know, most like boys uh, aren't gonna know what the fuck that is. Like, <laughs> and there's no one bothers to explain what anything is in the movie. <laughs> and it's just like it's in it, and you know, there's like little details that you would only know if you're in that world. Like there's the uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's one thing I picked up on in that movie where there's the little like. Uh, there's like a little like bronze thing on the inside of everyone's doors at their homes, like the front door. Mm -hmm. And I only know what that is because my house had it. And that means your house has been blessed by a rabbi. Oh. <laughs> and the, they, they, the rabbi blesses your house, like write something on a little sheet of paper. I'm going to get this. I'm probably getting the details wrong. But then he takes that piece of paper, puts it in a little hole, and then covers that hole with the bronze thing. And they like, there's no acknowledgement of what that is in the movie. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. like, I just think that this is that, but for comic books. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Well, when you put it that way, I guess <laughs> um, <laughs> I can, I get what you're saying. It's not something I would have compared it to. Yeah. <laughs> but, whatever. but yeah, that's, that's, in the that's sense that it just I, throws you in. I get it. That's what, that's my job <laughs> on this show to make these comparisons <laughs> and upset people and lose all credibility. And I, I'm, I'm mocking this guy where I was like, oh, God, I couldn't last 30 minutes listening to this guy, whereas I probably sound exactly like him on this podcast. I don't think we have to break down every little bit of the film moving forward, yeah, but I, I do I, I think we can, we can get some a high I think we point. Can basically, I, I think we can basically just go through, like, character introductions. Like, that's kind of how the movie functions. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, Yeah, we get uh, – we bet Captain Amazing – and he realizes that he doesn't have a villain to fight, so he gets the idea of letting his old nemesis Casanova Frankenstein out of prison. Played by Jeffrey Rush in his Jeffrey first American role. <laughs> That's so awesome. I didn't know he was in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that made me happy, especially me being the Pirates of the Caribbean stand that I am. Yeah, and he's like the best thing in those movies. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I got to say, uh, one thing I've got to give the director credit for this on the commentary I heard is that they came up with the idea of having Casanova Frankenstein have an accent, but it not being a real accent. Like they just combined like different accents mm. and I like you can feel it, right? Yeah, because like, it's not I, it, Jeffrey Rush's normal voice. No, it's like Romanian and Russian. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's like multiple. Things. Yeah. It's um, fun. That's a fun character. Oh, no, he's great. Um, although, like, what is his deal? <laughs> that that has an asterisk I have on this, too. Um, I don't know. He's just crazy, it I, seems I like. I think so. But I Which think I mean, he's maybe one of the keys to, like, enjoying this film is that it's, like, so much 
mm-hmm. that you kind of just have to appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I I guess. It's just but then like why are his henchmen the disco boys? <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> like what does that have to do? I got with nothing. His plan. Um but I gotta give shout out to Eddie Izzard. <laughs> oh yeah, she's fantastic in this. She is so good. And uh oh, who's the other guy? Um Uh Oh, I might go to this name now. The guy from uh, the Fugees. Praz Kazrell Mitchell. Yes. As Tony C. Yes. Yeah, Tony P and Tony C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leader of the Disco Boys. <laughs> and they, like, they get out of the car like the music's playing. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think <laughs> as much as I love the goofy vibe of this movie, uh, mm. I think sometimes it, it kind of like – it loses track of itself a little bit. It gets away from yeah. it, you know, which is unfortunate. I, I have no idea what tone it's supposed to be going for. Yeah, tone like, consistency is not a strength of this film. I do like Disco is not dead. Disco is live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Like, that's his whole motivation. Her whole, whole motivation is just Disco is not dead. The Disco boys are great. Um, I do like later when they try to break into Casanova's place and like, they're all like, they're about to get this shit kicked out of them. <laughs> and they're like, there's no consistency with the disco voice thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was no, like, like, Oh, that guy's got a pipe. What are you? The disco plumber? Yeah. Like, and, like, that's what they care about. That's like a weird scene too. Cause it's funny because then they start getting beaten up and then it's like cut to them back in the diner. and like, we need a team, but also, it's like, the director decided to leave in a shot where it's very clear they aren't getting hit. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was like, what, what just happened? Yeah. They had a gun pulled on them and I guess they, I guess Eddie is didn't shoot them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's when they go like, there's too many of those disco boys. <laughs> so the idea becomes, uh, we got to start recruiting superheroes. They kind of run some down that they want to check out, but the, the big first one is, uh, they start looking into the invisible boy who's played yeah. by Kel Mitchell from Kenan Kel and Kel. Mitchell. Yeah. The one that didn't make it on SNL. No, <laughs> no. I hope he's doing okay. Whatever is going on. Yeah. Me, me too. Because I don't know about you, but when I was younger, he was the one that got me laughing more. And I like yeah. Kenan. Like I, I'm not yeah. like, I don't wish ill on either of them. <laughs> no, like you want to live in the perfect world where they both are doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm Googling right now. What, what's he What's he up to? Uh, apparently, he's an executive producer on the new version of all that. Okay. Well, good for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah get yeah, that money. Get, get some money, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think good, didn't Goodberger, like, show up on SNL at a certain point? Maybe. To be like, you know, like, hey, why not? <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds, like, nice, though. Like, you know, fuck yeah. SNL, but, like... That that sounds like something I would enjoy. I gotta look yeah. that up after. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he's the invisible boy who can only turn invisible if nobody is looking. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh. And and <laughs> goddamn, I just gotta point out how '90s his room feels when they go to his room mm-hmm. in the movie like that. I got like huge '90s flashbacks there, <laughs> and I was I was thinking about just like. There used to be this place in the mall where I grew up that they had like a giant Hellraiser guy in front of it, like a statue. And I would just like look in there as a as a kid. And it's just like 
wow, like that's worlds that just don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And uh, probably died out for a reason, but hey, <laughs> there was something going on in the 90s that I think was all right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, The Last Boy Scout, you know. Oh, yeah. That just defined. Yeah, but the 90s life. didn't embrace The Last Boy Scout. No. So. And that's why it was ultimately a failure. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, his, his whole thing is that he can't even look at himself <laughs> or else he'll become visible again. And so that mixed with, um, Ben Stiller's Mr. Furious, whose superpower is his rage, but maybe not really. Mm. I thought this film was going to be like, oh, there are no real superpowers. It was going to yeah. be like the boys when it was going to be like, oh, they're actually like, sorry, spoilers for the boys. They're genetically <laughs> modified, like at birth by a corporation that's asking parents to sell out their child's livelihoods. Yeah, Something and it's like, like yeah, that. and it makes perfect sense because, like, what is Hank Azaria just throws forks? Mm-hmm. Like, you could probably learn to do that, right? Like, that's not really a superpower. Yeah, people could throw knives. But, I'm sure you could do that with utensils. Yeah, know? William H Macy has a shovel. Like, yeah, yeah, and no, they don't, they don't do that, and that's fine. But that's definitely yeah. where I thought it was going. And <laughs> then, the, literally, the next scene, <laughs> we are introduced to the spleen. Played by Paul Rubens, oh, which as a, as a kid, kid is like a fist pump moment of like, <laughs> yeah, they got fucking Pee Wee Herman in this movie. Don't you mean Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh wow, he goes <laughs> hard. <laughs> um, look, Paul Rubens is fantastic, and I don't even hate this character. This is a little bit of a um, uh, little. This Nikki is moment. my. This is 90s. Yeah. This is Ren and Stimpy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this is kids, the kids like gross out stuff. This is Tom Green. Because the spleen superpower is that he has super flatulence. Yeah. And uh, I never understood as a kid, and I still don't understand now, did he kill all those people? <laughs> When I he farted? Think, I, I don't think he did. I didn't cross my mind. I thought he just he knocked him out. He says silent but deadly. <laughs> oh, I think that's just like a saying for when I know. farts, though. I know, I know, like... but like, it was weird. It's, it's a weird way to do it. That would be kind of amazing if he just was like a mass murderer and yeah. the movie just doesn't comment on it. Yeah, and you have to pull his finger to get, to get him to do it. Yeah, this this uh, is when it's like, oh yeah, this is for kids. Like, this is he's got a, for kid he's kids. He's got a magic... They had a magic curse put on him, so magic exists in this universe, mm-hmm. and that's how he got his flatulent superpowers. Um, yeah. Weird moment. What a character. Um, <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I have to point out something, because I wrote it down, <laughs> that uh, shocked me when I heard it. Because <laughs> uh, the, the real reason they let the Invisible Boy on the team is because he knows other superheroes. So it's less for his superpower, which they don't even believe in, and more for his connections, right? Yeah. And he's listing off the people that he knows. Did you catch uh, a, a certain two names that were put together? Probably not, because I didn't write them down. White Flight and the Black Menace. <laughs> and they work together. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> Um, hmm. <laughs> What's even the joke? I'm, like, confused. I don't know. Is it, like, a riff? Is that is that a riff on, like, Hawk and Dove? 
maybe um like, that's that's wow. the closest i came to that being anything other than just weird racism uh Get yeah. it? it's the 90s it's post-racism we can comment on it now oh, yeah. what did mark ruffalo tweet after obama got reelected? racism is over <laughs> hey you know i like mark ruffalo but yeah you, you know, know celeb's gonna celeb yeah lib's gonna lib yeah um, um, actually the, uh, okay. So that, that actually brings me to another point that according to Stiller, the script was pretty fluid. Um, stuff was basically being worked like all the time by everybody. And, uh, Bob Burden was on mm-hmm. set for some of the shoot. Do you know who Bob Burden is? No, I don't. Bob Burden was involved with like the, the creation of the, of the mystery men characters. Oh, okay. Oh, the captain. Yeah. Carrot flaming carrot guy, whatever. Yeah. And, um, uh, there, this is what, um, one of the producers said that there were times when we were kind of stumped in a scene and we asked him what he thought. And the great thing about him is that 10 minutes later, we'd get 30 pages in the fax machine with probably 29 pages filled with the lousiest ideas that you've ever read. <laughs> that one page was pure genius. Yeah, that's great. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Too bad. I hope he got something out of this. <laughs> like, I do too, because uh, yeah. yeah, any comic guys never get anything. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, hmm. Kind of a downer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So then they get the idea of let's hold a pool party for all of the superheroes to show up at. Oh, I got that's say. another thing where it's like a fun idea of like this, like that's part of like the gag of this movie is that there are so many superheroes running around now that it's like hard to stand out, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, I've seen that in a few comics. I like that idea. Like, I wish someone did that like, well, mm-hmm. somewhere. I feel like that could be fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, especially right now, then you get like the whole thing. Oh, it's so clever. It's so meta. But like, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not at least approach it from that angle now? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to say that the shoveler's wife, Lucille, played by Jennifer Lewis, mm. she doesn't have a lot to do, obviously. She's very much the stock white wife character, but that's also, yeah. like, the joke of her character. Yes, it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, she she kills it with just, like, the simplest shit. She's like, I'm going to leave you, <laughs> like, <laughs> if yeah. you if you're doing If this. any of these people vomit in the pool, I'm divorcing <laughs> you. <laughs> and, like, that, everything with the William H. Macy character, I think, is perfect for this film because it's not like mean-spirited it's a little dark but it's not like yeah ugly or cynical it's just like mm. it's played completely straight he's like a big-hearted idiot kind of mm-hmm. like yeah not like idiot like super idiot just like dude you hit people with a shovel <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like you got to retire this dream at a certain point but he's like no you don't understand like I have to do this. He's like, it's almost like if Peter Parker just had a shovel. I was like, you don't understand. If I'm not out there right now, there's crimes being committed. That's what I want to see in No Way Home. Yeah, you know, emitting people where it's not shovel. a it's not a live action multiverse Spider Man story. It's just, oh, these other guys got bitten by other stuff. Oh, this one guy got bitten by a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> shovel man. Yeah. Hey, that could work. You know. Yeah. Um. Um, but yeah, the pool party stuff that, uh, it's not, I, I didn't think it was like laugh out loud funny, but I do like the idea too. And, uh, you get some great cameos by like character actors in this. Got Dane Cook shows up. <laughs> That's not the one I was going to bring up, but, <laughs> um, maybe the most I've ever liked Dane Cook. 
Uh, mm. I was going to mention Doug Jones of uh, yes. Guillermo del Toro fame. As Pencilhead and son of Pencilhead. Yeah, that was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's uh, Dane Cook was the Waffler, which I for some reason I think that was in a lot of the trailers. Oh, uh, we do not like, claim him here. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, whatever. He's it's two seconds, and it's it's Dane Cook before he became Dane Cook, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, I I liked him in sixth grade. I didn't know any better. I've never liked Dane Cook. You're, I'm sorry. Because you're I, smarter you know, than me, I guess. Yeah, but I've liked dumb shit. Like, I, I'm not, uh, I just never got his thing. Probably for the, I don't think I ever got it either. I just thought, like, haha, funny. Man, talk. Uh, we, oh, we got Ballerina Man. I feel like I've got to point that out, because that's a joke that just dies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing funny about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even make sense. No, well, because he's a big, scary buff man, and then it's like, oh, he's it's a like, ballerina. What, f- what was the joke? Well, the joke is that men shouldn't dance. Men shouldn't wear tutus. Yeah, but the, but he he walks up in like it's homophobic, Matt. It's homophobic. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I know, but like it doesn't. The construction of it doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah. Like he just kind of has a tutu on, but also still has the black cape and stuff. Like that feels like he he's phoning in being ballerina man. I'm more annoyed by his laziness. You know what? Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> it feels like he showed up and then realized like he didn't want to get picked, so like he just like I'll pretend I'm fucking ballerina man. And then, then he could have left. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, maybe he's like if I don't if I don't at least audition, I don't get the free food. <laughs> like oh yeah yeah yeah, that would have been a funny joke. Yeah, instead it's I don't know what the joke is. Yeah. Oh, and there was uh, PMS Avenger. Oh, yeah, which was Get funny it? because she was, like, grunting a little bit at the end. Yeah, you know, women. Yeah. On oh, those few days of the month. <laughs> Superheroes be shopping. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, and two women fight because they're both kind of dressed like Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and um, um, it's a joke. Women like, be shopping. Yeah, oh, it's, it's sexy because women are fighting. Yeah. Which I feel like if you're there in that moment, it wouldn't be sexy. Yeah, no. Um, like, it would it would be violent and upsetting. <laughs> yeah, not to be too revealing, but I've been to a couple backyard parties in my time, specifically around high school. <laughs> and let me tell you, when it goes down, it, it is not... Ex- it's just concerning, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, when, when uh, the fight breaks out and it's time to leave, or when your friend throws up so much that it, like... <laughs> pools in someone's yard yeah like, or if there's a police yeah. helicopter overhead or whatever yeah fucking scatter yeah. <laughs> and run jumping over fences <laughs> I've, I've, I've been to a few parties yeah. el serena what up no um. and i i gotta say though like the thing that made high school parties fun for me is that i was the only one who was sober because <laughs> I, I never drank oh good man so i always got out of there before shit went really bad <laughs> good call the only times I was there too long was when I had a friend who I'm like, if I don't drive them home, they're going to die tonight. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm saving this person's life by being here. And You know what? This this scene does remind me that I do want more parties in superhero stuff. If they're going to be yeah. around, they, I want more of this. Yeah. That's a, a little thing. more I, smart, I guess, though, here. Because yeah. this is kind of the low point of the movie for me. Well, that's kind of the thing where I've talked about, like, I would like a, like, very short Avengers film that is just the Avengers hanging out, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Like, that would be fun. And it would probably be better than most of the movies. Yeah. And I know I'm talking about it a lot, but there are plenty of Young Justice episodes where it's just like, hey, all these B-list supporting characters, let's all just hang out. All right, that's great. Yeah. That's all I need to watch anything like or that. Or there's, like, time jumps, so it's like some of them are like, oh, let's have a baby shower. Oh, let's uh, yeah. engagement party, you know? So, hey, that's great. Yeah, it rules. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, um, but I just mentioned this is kind of the low point of the movie for me. It is saved by the appearance of Janine Garofalo. As the bowler. <laughs> yep. Who is amazing. She has a crystal bowling ball with her father's skull in it. <laughs> Now, I gotta say something. Like, <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. But here's how great it is: of all the heroes in this movie, she's like the only one I could see as like an actual superhero in like an actual superhero universe. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying? like I can see the bowler turning up in like a Suicide Squad type movie. Oh, totally. totally. Where it's like we get the B-list heroes together. Like, that's amazing. The shovel's a close second, but, like, every other one feels like a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except her, and she just fucking whips this bowling ball around, and it just, like, almost kills people. <laughs> and, again, it's that weird thing of, like, we go from... So, like, even with the spleen, it's like, all right, maybe there's just something wrong with the guy. <laughs> like, clearly, like, there's something up with him. Maybe he just has really bad farts. And then you get her where she's like, no, she's got a magic bowling ball with her father's head. In it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Because, like, at first, obviously, that's not, like, told to you. It's just like, oh, yeah, magic bowling ball. And with then later skull. she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is my dad's skull. And I got just where, she, like, Jean Garofalo, when she gets good material, is fucking hysterical. Yeah. And I like when she's like, she talks about her father's mysterious death. <laughs> which is that he fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. And Hank is like, I always expect the suspected foul play. <laughs> and her delivery of, like, as have I. Like, it's one thing where it's like, Hank character is dumb enough to, like, believe that. But then it's like, she seems semi-confident. And then she's like, finally, <laughs> someone who agrees <laughs> that there's something suspicious about that death. Yeah. And I don't really like her, like, her and Ben Stiller going back and forth, I don't really like. Like, that's not that funny to me. Because um, it just, it feels like, you know, that's that humor of, like, oh, there's a girl on the team now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be upstaged by her. It's just, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? Like, it was, maybe it was commonplace at some point. I mean, it was commonplace, like, in a lot of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's aged terribly. And it was never, like, it's never been the highlight of any story, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, it's just this weird thing where I think the, like, wrong lesson of romantic comedies is, like, you know what happens when two women, when a man and a woman meet each other? They hate each other. <laughs> like... That, like, that's how we have to start every relationship between men and women, you know? Mm-hmm. There can't be a mutual respect at the start. They have to hate each other initially, and then they be, have to come around to realizing they actually like each other. Yeah. You know what? Just on principle, if you go watch When Harry Met Sally, a fantastic film, one of my favorites, yeah. look at everything that film does well. Don't 
do that. You, you're not yeah, going to do it as well. Nev- Sorry. No one can ever do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it has been done. Yeah. Because everyone's going to say, well, when Harry Met Sally did it better. And they'll yeah. be right to say that. So just word to the wise. Or like any screwball comedy, like people just, they just don't get that vibe anymore. And I think the part of it is that older screwball comedies at least seem to respect the women that were in them. Yeah, or I think <laughs> like, of, like, bringing up Baby, which is at least, yeah. like, subversive in how it treats the, the men and the women in that yeah. for the well, time. Like, yeah, like, the women in those movies are at least usually, like, working women or something. Mm-hmm. And that's not, like, a flaw in their character a lot of the time. <laughs> like, sometimes it is. But, that like, the 90s seems to be the era of actually women who work can't have relationships. It's like impossible mm-hmm. <laughs> because they love their job too much. Men can do it, but women can't. <laughs> like, which is the unspoken part of it. Yeah. yeah, that bugs me a little bit. Yeah, and somehow it bugs me more than like the spleen like hitting on her all the time. Yeah, I mean that's not like funny, but again, Janine Garofalo. Fuck, I can't even pronounce her name. Yeah, Janine Garofalo. Like the way she shuts him down, just her delivery is, is yeah. killer. I just think it's like hysterical that like she is not even entertaining it. Like yeah, she like, is nope. like, no, I find you repugnant. Like, yeah. please stop. And even like the genuine moment later when they meet up with uh, Tom Waits's Doc Heller, the mad scientist yeah. guy, and he's like f- outfitting them with weapons. And like one of them is called the, the blame, the blame thrower, like, the blame thrower. And it, it, you shoot at someone and it makes them start arguing. And then later they're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And, and the spleen goes in for the hug and she's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. It's, um, and I just like it because like, she's like semi-competent, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And then she's like talking, she's arguing with her father who's a skull <laughs> in a bowling ball. No, I mean, she, her and William H. Macy are definitely my favorite parts of the movie. And she has Ooh. like this almost like really profound moment with Anne Gazaria where she's like, well, no, no, no. The relationship with your mother is going to be like intrinsically tied to how you interact mm. with other people in your life. No dad, like, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, that doesn't mean fathers aren't important. <laughs> like, yeah. No dad. He's neither a limey nor a fruit. Like, <laughs> which is like he wouldn't know he said that. Yeah. And it's that thing of like, we know the ball is magic, but like, we don't really know. If the skull is talking, mm-hmm. like we don't know that for sure, which is what kind of makes it great. Yeah. Uh, no, she is terrific. Uh, yeah, I can't. And also, I, I think we do have to point out to go back to Hank Azaria for a minute. Um, it is funny watching him go from being like the blue Raja being all fancy. And then when his mom comes up, he's like, mom, no, leave me alone. Like, yeah. Which is such a like, I don't know, it's, it's great. Yeah. Jeffrey, yeah. the Blue Raja. And again, that's something that, that doesn't feel ugly or cynical. Like, it's, it's very ridiculous. And he's obviously very, like, pathetic coming off of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, it's played very sincerely. Mm-hmm. And, like, the relationship trouble is, is less of, like, a look how sad this guy is. More of, like, a this is, like, a conflict that the character will have to overcome. Which is odd for a movie as goofy as this, but I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I did skip over a character that that we were supposed to talk about, and that is Wes Studi. Oh no, as... he comes up in a minute because this it actually uh, we get into because they have their first like kind of victory against uh, 
Casanova Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, when they beat up their car on the street. Yeah, they just smash the car, and, like, Bensler fails to get, like, a hood ornament off of it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they do an all right job. Uh, and, I mean, we, we get to see, I think, what everyone wants to see in a movie, which is Pee Wee Herman farting directly into the face of Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> I mean, what is that if not cinema? <laughs> I mean, there's no, like, it's his ass farting on Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, and they never explain how Casanova is strong enough that he does not faint. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get that either, but... But, like, Casanova's fucked up enough that you could buy that. So, like, they have a small victory, and then they go out to drink. Even though, like, they don't really accomplish anything. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, yeah, we did it. And they get cornered by the Disco Boys again. And, uh, all right, so they've been building up the Sphinx, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, he's like, big crime fighter from down south. <laughs> and they say he can rip guns in half with his mind. And when you hear that, you're like, okay, that's like, that's not going to be true, right? <laughs> or like, or he has like, he has like a batarang or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he throws something that cuts guns in half. But then he shows up and he just does that. He cuts guns in half. There's no, like, clever thing. That's <laughs> it's exactly what he does. Um, yeah, West Studi. Oh, I gotta say, Eddie Izzard, she runs away and jumps into, like, a rickshaw. <laughs> yeah, and all the other henchmen just scatter on the street. Yeah, it's... But no, 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 because... Uh, See you later, uh, super losers. Yeah. <laughs> Because Tony P is classy, that's why. Yeah, I don't know what Tony P's deal is. I don't know either, but maybe uh, one of the best characters in the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. West Studi, legendary Eddie actor. Izzard, I just gotta say quick. Eddie Izzard. She just makes every movie great. Like. Yeah. I like. I've. I think we've. I've. We had this conversation recently for reasons I don't totally remember. Um, but fuck it. Let's and, have it again. Yeah, but we also had it on the Hannibal episodes. Hmm. Just what we're talking about, like, I just feel like I gotta point out, like, Eddie Izzard, whenever shows up, it's just, thank Christ, Eddie Izzard is here for at least two minutes. Yeah. Like, so, I just, I just had to stop for that. <laughs> um, but Wes Studi is the last guy I expected to see in the fucking movie. Yeah, I don't particularly get the Sphinx's deal, other than it's supposed to be, like, comically, He's uh, Tony like, Robbins. Mystic. He's doing, like... No, he's doing he's doing the Tony Robbins self help thing, oh. like all this like that's the gag. Okay, is that he's a self help guy, but he's also a superhero because <laughs> like he does fire walking and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. And he says things that like don't make sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> like where he's like, if you learn and learn to balance attack hammer, you can attack your enemies with a balanced attack. <laughs> it's like that doesn't mean anything, yeah. but that's that's kind of the the Tony Robbins thing, you mm-hmm. know, where like. I, I know people are in the self-help, God bless you, but, like, if you think about that shit for two seconds, you're like, that doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, whatever whatever makes your life easier, none of this makes any sense, but I, I, I'm with Matt on this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot to point out real quick that the writer of this movie uh, wrote Return of Swamp Thing, Hocus Pocus, and The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Well, Hocus Pocus holds up. <laughs> you know what? It kind of does. Yeah, it's like um, a solid family Halloween movie. I have never seen The Adventures of Pluto Nash. It's probably for the best. Um, um, I saw, like, parts of it. 
I feel like I should watch it. I, I, I don't know. Um, but Wes Studi, Wes Studi but... is one of the few actors in history who has worked with Michael Mann more than once. And yeah. if that doesn't <laughs> tell you about his strength and resilience, I don't you know, know what? what does. I'm sorry, but that's that's not true. <laughs> like, say what you will about Michael Mann. Michael Mann does use a lot of people multiple times. No, I know, but I just wanted to hype up Wes Studi because yeah, no, he's in Last of the Mohicans in Heat. Yeah. Like, he's in the, two yeah, of the greatest he's... film epics of all time. He's great yeah. um, and should do should be in more movies. Oh, hey, he endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. Fucking fantastic. Well, that's better than any of his movies. Not really. But, no. Um, <laughs> oh, he was in Soul, which I know you did not like too much. Um. Yeah, whatever. Uh, oh, he was in Avatar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes that movie worse. No. Oh. No. It makes no. it better because he's in it. No. no. Not the way they use him, though. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, I don't like that. Uh, Penny Dreadful, which I have not seen, but I've heard is is really fun. Goddamn, it feels like fucking Hollywood sucks. It feels like he should be doing more. He should. He was in Hostiles, which which I I did not like really. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see Hostiles. Everyone kept telling me to watch it, and then I just forgot to. (laughs) I don't think you'll like it. All right, Um, right. but that that director, I, I. I liked Out of the Furnace, and I'm looking forward to their next one, which is that Wendigo I, film that was supposed to oh, come okay. out last year. I think Hostiles is on Netflix a lot, mm. and so it's one of those movies that I keep in my back pocket for whenever my family says we should watch something new on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because um, then it's like they won't just pick something random that's mm-hmm. awful. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, the Sphinx is so odd because I don't because like he's doing the Tony Robbins thing, and so like that's a joke, right? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yes. So, but, like, he's not really a fake. Because he does have powers. And he does end up kind of making the team better. Yeah. You know? So I... But then, he, when it comes time, he wants to run away. Like, I guess, you know what? Here's a great summation of why the Sphinx doesn't make sense. So I mentioned the joke about the, the balancing a hammer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, that was Ben Stiller, Mr. Fury. He's like, why am I doing this? And he's like, well, if you learn to balance, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, and why am I wearing watermelon on my feet? And the camera takes a long time to pan down to show the watermelon. And then the, you know how people wait for the camera to be back on them before they talk in real life? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes, I don't remember telling you to do that. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know who the joke is on in that scene. Yeah. Like, did he say put watermelon on your feet and then he forgot to, he forgot why? <laughs> or did Ben Stiller make a leap somewhere in logic? <laughs> See, I th- I agree with you, but my first inclination was that Ben Stiller made a mistake somewhere. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's funny. And then I thought about it because the way that character plays out for the rest of the film, the Sphinx character, I was like, wait, no, it doesn't. I don't get it, really. I, I I don't understand the limit of the joke of that character, yeah. and how much is sincere. Where I'm I was just praising other... like the Hank Azaria stuff as even even though it's problematic. It's like no no no. There's like a solid character foundation there. Yes. <laughs> like, or Willie H Macy, which is like my favorite, but mm-hmm. I don't understand either. Yeah, I'm looking up other Sphinx quotes. Um, he who questions training training only trains himself at asking questions <laughs> <laughs> like yeah like that's yeah. the and, and it gets weirder because mr furious 
is also like so much in the wrong prior to that when he is finally like you guys see what he's doing right it's like yeah i do because i'm the audience and it's like funny but why does he get that now like why does he get to be right now in this you know? There's a good moment where he like calls him on it. And he was like, "You were gonna say that," and he was like, "No, I wasn't." Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, no, he's like, "Not, not exactly, not exactly." <laughs> and again, like, I don't, you know, what is the joke? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, is he a fake, or I don't? It that's a weird choice. Um, when you care, what is outside, what is inside cares for you. Like you could see people you went to high school with posting that. In with like a sunset in the background. <laughs> oh, oh, that you know? still makes the rounds. Yeah, you know. <laughs> or that motivational Instagram stuff with the unrelated images and the quotes over them. All right, here's one that's just funny that's a little different. <laughs> um, you must lash out with every limb, like the octopus who plays the drums. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's telling William H. Macy, like, which is like, again, he's making very logical observations, being like, Hey, you're the shoveler. Use other shovels. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's weird. And then, like, it's it feels like somewhere like he would be revealed to be a fake, you know? Mm-hmm. But that never happens. <laughs> no, he's he just scared. Like, it feels like the arc of that, yeah, is then he's like, oh, he has to actually use his fake training and either cast yeah. it aside or use it for himself to become it's like, like a superhero. It, it turns. I've seen that. We've seen this before, where it's like, oh, it turns out our teacher was a fraud, but what he taught us wasn't bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how, how often have we had that in life? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Um, and then we only get really, uh, one more character, I think. Um, I don't know if they're next, but we're going to go to them. Yeah. Tom Waits. (laughs) Um, Tom Waits, who was introduced earlier as Doc Heller, which I think he said, I think the director said that he tried to tell a story about Tom Waits and I didn't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> and I think what he was trying to say was that Tom Waits came up with the name Heller. Um, which sounds like Tom Waits. Uh, but he's a mad scientist, but he only makes non-lethal weapons. And I gotta say, just the fucking amusement park set that they go to for him seems like it's more expensive than any indie film made today. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's nuts. What, what they did there. And yeah. that was, that's some of the stuff I love the most in this movie too. Again, like the production design of it. And it's just like, where is that in relation to the city? Yeah. But it, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm yeah. just glad it exists. You know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it, the non-lethal weapons thing is interesting. It's silly, but I liked um, it. Tom Waits is just very good at playing a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, that he does have one of the funniest lines that I'm not sure if it's meant to be a joke. Um, there's a, there's a whole, I can't even call it a subplot cause it's a very bad, like setup and payoff of a, an old like tank that at the junkyard that Ben Stiller's boss keeps telling him to junk, but he's like, I can't, it's like a military tank. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't really take it apart. And he brings it up when they're trying to come up with a plan and Tom Waits is like, you got a Herkimer battle tank. That's one of the best non-lethal tanks ever built. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that's very specific. Yeah. You guys are lucky. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, a lot of, I don't knows in regards to this film. 
Yeah. But then, you know, it's like the Suicide Squad mission from Mass Effect 2. They have to they have to say goodbye to their loved ones because they might not come back. Well, we we did skip over one very important plot point. Oh, oh yes. Which is because their whole plan, they were not trying to save the day. They were just trying to rescue Captain Amazing. And they uh they break in to Casanova Frankenstein's place while he's having his big party. Um with the, all the different gangs, and he even quotes, he even quotes the warriors. Can you dig it? Yeah, and I, sh- I, you know what? I did not write the gang names down. I, I didn't either, that. but Michael Bay is a member of them. He's he's one of the frat bros, which makes who, a lot of sense. Yeah, and like they've been like acquitted of something. <laughs> like he's, there's some line about that. Um, just play the just put the clip of Michael Bay being like, "Can we bring the booze?" Like. <laughs> Um, there's there's one guy who's named like Big Tobacco. Yeah. Um, there's the women. There's like a Japanese gang, which I don't think those guys end up doing anything. No, no. Um, there's uh, and then there's the not so goody mob, played by rap group the Goody Mob. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, whatever for this kind of movie that's cute. Yeah. Um, and I, they get hit with the blame thrower yeah. later, and they just beat the shit out of each other. Um, yeah, um, the Captain Amazing. Sh- yeah, he's locked in the basement under um, a device that, like, I gotta look up the name real quick. The Psychofraculator. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we don't know what it is yet. It's just been like this thing, and they're alluding that it's going to be used on the city, and. That's just, I will say, I think that's one of the scenes where just top to bottom, that's a funny scene. Mm-hmm. Them trying to rescue Captain Amazing and getting all confused. And him, like, losing his, like, trying to keep his cool. Being like, stay calm, my little friend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point he's like, listen, you fucking idiot, like, flip the switch! <laughs> him just cracking. Yeah. And uh, he's like, is there a reset button around here? And it's like, no, you idiot, like... <laughs> It's like the moment where it's like, yeah, these guys would fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> and and Captain Amazing isn't helping a situation. No, because he's an asshole. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's calling them also, morons and shit. He's like, you're a moron, you're a moron. He's <laughs> yelling it. Um, also, like, uh, um, William H. Macy keeps trying to, like, put glasses on him to see if he's his alter ego. Because remember, they don't believe it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, how could, he, how could he fight? The other guy's got glasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, we should, yeah, we should. Have, Captain Amazing like testified to get Casanova out. Like that's mm-hmm. a funny scene. Um, yeah, and then the laser turns on, and like the movie turns into a horror show for a half a second. Yeah, I I thought it was rated R for a second, but no, no, it is not because <laughs> it's bloodless. You can get away with this kind of shit if there's no blood. Oh right, that's right. That's the MPAA's fucked up thing. Yeah, that fucking shit. And it's like is like. Everyone heard me say reset button, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that like and that aftermath, and then Gazaria be like, "Oh my god, we killed him!" <laughs> no, no, no. When Janine Garofalo's like, "I'm gonna check his pulse," and his oh, hand yeah, falls that, off, and she's like, yeah. "I don't think he's gonna make it." Yo, know, I, I was gonna point like when Nancy's, like, I mean, when Azaria's like, "We killed him," <laughs> who hasn't like moved? Yeah. Like, what do you mean we? I was over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I just love that it's never like rectified with the public that they killed him. Yeah, they, yeah, we never. They're not gonna give that away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then they have to get out of there because Casanova's coming, and Casanova plays it off as like I've killed Captain Amazing, 
And you know what? Which it's funny where it's like, in and you can tell that like that's you know, the the supervillain thing where it's like, well, I want to keep the hero alive until the last moment. That's how heroes are. I mean, that's how villains get defeated in comics. But thanks to these morons, <laughs> they got Captain Amazing killed. <laughs> yeah, that's when they run back and. Tom Waits explains the psychofraculator, which it's like it can warp reality. <laughs> like it's such a weird thing to just throw in there. Yeah, it, I don't movie, really understand what it can do still, but it's a supervillain like, weapon. <laughs> I like the setup of that. It was so complicated to build, and was the mathematic equations were so much that the scientists who worked on it ended up in the mental institution. <laughs> And that's how Casanova knew how to build it mm-hmm. because he was in there for like 20 years. Like that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun little note. Yeah. Then we go into kind of like the declining, you know, we're going to the climax and we should mention that there's like a weird subplot with a, with a waitress and Ben Stiller. Oh yeah. 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 That... Um, played by Claire Forlani, who is a good mm-hmm. actress who much like uh, Greg Kinnear didn't really have a, a a big popular career. She's good, but I, you know, I don't know. She doesn't. I'm trying to think. She was in she Meet in? Joe Black. Everyone. Oh, she was favorite. in Mallrats. Oh yeah, that too. Hey, good for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the. Oh, she's in The Rock. Oh yeah. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. All right, that's why. It- Everyone who was in that movie, like, got set back, like, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, that's why Jason Statham is barely taken off now, you know? Yeah, like, Jason Statham's only just recovered. Yeah. Uh, there was a Black Beauty remake on Disney+. Plus. Oh, fuck, that's bad. Um, yeah. That's why one of those movies, cause, like, remember when, like, there was, all, like, Disney had all those, like, weird day one movies when they launched? Mm-hmm. Remember that? And, like, everyone's like, where did these movies come from? And it turned out... Like, half the movies have been shot, like, three years ago. Yeah. And then Disney didn't know how to release them, so they just saved them. Mm-hmm. They apparently are still sitting on a movie that Steve Martin wrote. What? Yeah. Like, Steve Martin wrote a movie about when he was, like, a magician as a young kid working at an amusement park. Oh, And they filmed Steve. it. And it's just sitting somewhere. Oh, Steve. Hey, who knows? Maybe it's good. Yeah, probably not, but I like probably your attitude. <laughs> um, but no, Claire, Claire Filani, uh, good, doesn't have anything to do besides be a love interest here, but, um, you know. I also like the woman that played the uh, the therapist, even though she kind of disappears from the movie. Uh, the one who basically let Casanova out. Oh, yeah. Um, that's Lena Olin. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a great actress. She's in Fanny and Alexander. Yeah. Oh, uh, also because I rewatched Alias recently. Um, she was also uh, Jennifer Garner's mother in that, which is oh, tons boy, of fun. Oh, boy, no one cares. I care. She's tons <laughs> of fun. Uh, yeah, I've never seen Alias. I should watch it. Yeah, I mean, for, for a spy show from that era, it's, it's pretty entertaining. No way J.J. Abrams will let me down in the final season. Oh, no, he left after season two, so you got to get through yeah, season sure. three. <laughs> sure, wink, wink. No, no, he actually did direct like a bunch of those yeah. first two seasons. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Anyways. He's very good at deflecting blame, it seems like. <laughs> well, Drew Goddard came on in like season four and five, and you could just mm. feel the quality increase again, which is mm. like really fun. But, uh. Yeah, weird, weird women stuff in this film. 
unfortunately. Yeah, I just feel like that's something they don't really know what to do with. Like, they're trying to do something, you know, mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, like, her liking him is enough to fuck up Mr. Furious's confidence. Yeah, which is, like, a, a weird thing because it's not like he was doing great before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, again, that kind of leads you to, like, the monotonous tonal issues that this film had. Where it's, like, mm -hmm. it, it kind of hit in the same notes. And then when it does change the notes, you don't really understand what direction or purpose they have. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, it's weird. But I, I did like the climax and the ending of this film a lot. Honestly. Yeah, it's fun. And it's short, too. Which yes. is nice. <laughs> yes. Like, it doesn't go on for 45 minutes. Yeah, it hits the beats. Everyone has their moment. And yeah, not and like, in like that's an obligatory way. Like it's mostly built up, you know, and yeah. off. You know, she finally uh uh the bowler kills Tony P. <laughs> oh, which is great because she's like, I might be able to forgive you someday. And then her father bowling ball kills him or kills her. Yeah. And then um Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Um oh there's a there's the cool laser eye bit. Um <laughs> when when Kel Mitchell's like, everyone look away, this is my time. That was in every trailer. Really? Oh, that's yeah. too bad. The joke about where, like, where Gene Garofalo's like, you think you should put some clothes on if you want to keep fighting crime today? Like, I guess that's how they thought they could sell the movie. Maybe, but that, that's too bad, because that's like a genuinely fun and funny payoff. Yeah. You don't know, he, the kid could just die. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I thought it was going after uh, Captain Amazing. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I had oh, a nice. genuine moment of concern. Yeah. Hey, save the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the uh the spleen gets shot in the ass. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. I I thought it was gonna be like, do your power still work? And then he was gonna fart the bullet out. But no. Oh, that would have been incredible. <laughs> right. I, I don't know if they could have pulled it off though. <laughs> I don't. I mean, biologically, that wouldn't make sense. But this mm. movie's not like. You know, it's not reality. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. If you get shot in the ass cheek, that's not going to affect you farting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's that's that's the movie. <laughs> that's where I thought uh, I was going, anyways. Um, there's, like, girls. There's, like, like a girl gang. Oh, and yeah. Get, and then they, they, get, they get hit with the shrink ray, which yeah. shrinks their clothes so tight they can't they move. Can't, yeah, they, they can't breathe and it's, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not even, it, like... Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it was <laughs> weird. It was weird. We could say that. <laughs> yeah, I was like trying to go somewhere, but no, it's um, just it's just weird. It was very clearly written by men. So yeah, it's it's a gag that just doesn't really work. It's yeah. Um, trying to, trying to think what else happens. Um, William H Macy takes out most of the disco boys. Mm -hmm. Um, just beating them with a shovel. <laughs> Which is just funny. He's like, he's got like this weird like pathos to him, and then he just hits people with a shovel. <laughs> yes, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's terrific. Um, and at some point, Casanova Frankenstein kidnapped the waitress. Hank Azaria shoots like forks so he can climb the wall, and Mr. Furious fights him and like gets the shit kicked out of him. But the whole thing is that like he can go the distance. It's kind of like a Rocky thing. Yeah. You know, like he's not really. Mr. Furious, but he, he won't stop. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is like, it's a good payoff for the weird journey that character took, I guess, but it yeah. doesn't feel like as clean as some of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's all. But Casanova, again, I, this is, 
it's a solid ending. Casanova gets thrown into the thing. Oh yeah. Oh, that that's like, like grotesque. It's not as yeah, grotesque like, as the the Greg Kinnear death, but it's like he splits open in front of yeah. the camera. <laughs> um, uh, so not rated R, right? That's no, not rated R. Wow. Um, um, they they do a group hug, which I think Ben Stiller says. So maybe that's like his moment of like saying the Sphinx actually had good ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they the bowler saves the day. Yeah. Like, as it's her bowling ball that goes in and destroys the psychofraculator. And, and uh, it's kind of like a touching moment because it's like, oh, that might be it for, like, her father. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I think I sh- I, this is, like, uh, part of the reason why I listened to the commentary. I just couldn't finish it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were supposed to die in the end. I think that's true because looking I, up stuff, th- there was uh, an alternate ending that they changed. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that, like, the new ending was, like, shot later. Like, it just looks... And I think the idea was, like, we'll never know who sa- who, who these mystery men were who saved the day. Like, that feels like a perfect, like, bow on the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think at some point they were like, you can't end this movie with all of them dying. Yeah. <laughs> it it would have been a little dark. Yeah, I think we would both be here kind of bummed if they all died in the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... That you know, <laughs> I would like to see that ending still. It doesn't mean yeah. I want that to be the one, but I would like to see it. I just don't think this movie has any sort of gravitas that would justify it. Like, I think you know? that's why it would be like an interesting ending. And again, it's not something I want. I like this ending a lot. I don't want it changed. Yeah, but I I would just like to get the vibe of it because that's such a like a dour way to close off a story that's generally been pretty goofy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Like maybe um, would have made it like even sadder. That th- that doesn't mean better. For I sure. think I think uh, William H Macy's speech at the end, where he's like, "Like, look, we're not heroes. The real heroes are all the people that never get credit, like the school lunch lady, like, <laughs> and just starts shouting out people, like working at the DMV. That's a hard job. <laughs> like, I think that was maybe what the message was supposed to be, like that, like the real heroes are the people that we never really think about." Mm-hmm. Like, like, so that's why, like, they die and then they're just mystery men. Um, but instead it ends more funny and then they can't come up with a team name. And Tom Waits is at home and he throws glitter, which is a Tom Waits thing that he does in his shows. Mm. And he's he's got, like, a horn. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my team. Yeah. <laughs> that's some good stuff. And then the last thing you could possibly expect happens... <laughs> All-Star by Smash Mouth starts playing. <laughs> it plays earlier in the film, too, to be oh, fair. Oh, it does? And, oh, I forgot. And I oh. wanted to bring that up because that song is an American classic at this point. Yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> it is now associated with Shrek entirely, <laughs> right? Yes. Shrek is two years later. This is Stolen Valor. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery Men is where All Star's from. And not just that, if you watch the music video for the song All Star, it features clips from Mystery Men. Oh my god. And they also couldn't get any of the actors from the actual movie, so a bunch of stand-ins show up that look like the characters. Like, you only see, like, the back of their heads. Alright, Shrek. Shrek's on my shit list now. Shrek, stolen valor, man. (laughs) Fucking... 
fucking fuck you, <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg. And also, if we want to talk about the world where directors who made music videos make movies, the music video for All Star was directed by Mick G. <laughs> yes. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I'm very upset right now. Yes, I just ruined everything. Um. I have to and end this on a that. negative note now. And guess what? Mick G has made, like, ten films. This guy got one movie. That is upsetting. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Um, but I do also, like Mystery Man. Hey, hey. All you people doing a reevaluation of the Charlie's Angels films? Stop that. <laughs> I haven't those revisited are, them, so I don't know. Those are bad movies. They are like Wild Wild West, where like they're fascinating and how bad they are, but they're bad movies. Well, look, the three of them are still friends, and that's what I will appreciate from that film franchise. Yeah. And Bill Murray. Yeah, and, and Bill Murray, yes. <laughs> no, he got in a fight with Lucy Liu. Oh, never mind. You've never heard that story? No, sorry. I gotta like, take Lucy Liu's side then. Fuck Bill Murray. That's like a sorry. famous story where like Bill Murray and her like hated each other and like it got like I guess it got really heated on the set one day. And it like was like a news story. <laughs> wow. Well look, Drew Barrymore is still friends with Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz. Is she still yeah. friends with Bill Murray? I don't know, but if you're not friends with Drew Barrymore, that's probably pretty telling. Yeah. Not a great sign. No, no. Um but I think everyone's reevaluating those movies because there was that one a few years ago that was terrible. Apologies to literally everyone in that film, but yes. Yeah, you know, like I didn't see it, so I don't know. Maybe it's good. you would hate it. But I, 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 that's what I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> so I've avoided it. Um, but yeah, but like I think there's been I, we got to stop this. <laughs> we cannot. We cannot reevaluate Mick G. Well, look, look. look. I, I think this is a good note to end Mystery Men on, actually, because like it or, or hate this movie. I, I think there has, and I know you disagree with me on this, but, like, I think there has been, like, a reevaluation of a lot of films that were deemed bad or, like, could still be considered bad from before, especially the 90s and 80s, yeah. where people were like, well, they're still fun to watch because there's, like, technique and craft and lighting and lens choices. Yeah, Whereas but, now I, I, every bad movie looks the same, and they're bad yeah. in the same exact ways, which is generally just boring, right? That's why I Cast guess- was such a gift. I get I get what you're saying, but like this sort of logic has led to people giving like Wild Wild West reevaluation. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I understand. It it comes with like a uh, an asterisk in and of itself. We got to draw the line somewhere. I I agree with that. Because <laughs> some fucking asshole out there is gonna shoot a movie on sets for like the first time in twenty years, and it's gonna suck. But everyone's gonna be like, it was on sets. I mean, to be fair, that was Cats and. No one was saying that about cats. Yeah, you know, cats didn't even like kind of have the like uh, the hate hate them that everyone thought it was gonna have. No, no, we we it's all kinda just, enjoy it for being a nightmare. It kind of just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Mystery Men. Kind of, yeah. Um, Mystery Men deserves to have it to be recognized. I think I do too. Uh, uh, I, I enjoyed know. watching this for the first time. Yeah, quite a bit. I don't know. If I'd call it a great movie. If you are a fan of comic book superheroes but have not enjoyed any comic book superhero movies in the last few years, check this out. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine um, anybody who hasn't seen it will enjoy it 
about as much as I have. Uh, yes. If you don't like it, I, I get it though. It's it's not a perfect film. It's it's yeah, hardly even gonna... a great film, but it's it's very entertaining. I'm not going to die on this hill. And in fact, I think people could defend this movie in a way I disagree with, and it would make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a not a hidden gem, but like you it's kind of like a, a hidden, hidden pretty rock. <laughs> yeah, a rock that like wow, you know, with a lot with a few more thousand years of pressure. <laughs> become something interesting i would have said like if you're a little kid you know and you're like oh i found a pretty rock and you get older and you get nostalgic about that rock because you remember when you were younger like that doesn't mean yeah. the rock's pretty but it's like oh yeah that is nice that is nice that i have that memory of that i had i had a rock that i painted red when i was a child and i've held on to it oh yeah and occasionally i will open a box and it will be at the bottom of the box <laughs> And I'll be like, why am I holding on to this? <laughs> but then I keep holding on to it. So, there you go. That's what this movie is. A pretty rock. Thank you, everyone. The next movie will be Arnold Schwarzenegger's triumphant return to the cinema. Um, the Last Stand. From like 2013. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>